For those of you who don't know, I'm Patty. Um, this is week three of living supernaturally in a natural world that can be quite challenging sometimes. So that's why we're doing this series. We have to find that place of how do we walk as supernatural people when we're surrounded by all this natural stuff every day. So I'm hoping this is going to be just practical, things that will help you in your everyday life. Um, so tonight I was praying about this week, and I'm going to close out the prophetic part of this. We'll still talk about prophecy um, through everything we do. But I was praying about what God really wanted to do. And um, I feel like it's so important that we know our prophetic history here at the church. Um, I've been here since 2002, so I didn't miss it by too much. And... Uh, there's been so many prophetic words spoken over this place. And back at the old church, we were, what, 60, 70 people? And all these major prophetic people kept coming through and speaking these words over us. And it seemed almost ludicrous because we were this little tiny church. And so I really felt like the Lord wanted me to remind everyone and tell those of you who don't know some of the words that have been spoken over this place and, you know, prophecy, it not only gives you a picture of what's to come, it um, just with the sound, it releases something into the supernatural realm. And I'm really believing tonight that God's going to reignite some of that fire from those words. I really feel that. I feel like he's really going to do something and, and bring it back up, the things that have been prophesied over this place. So I'm really excited about that. Um, where's Rick? They go out. That song, Flow Through This Vessel of Mine, that line, oh my gosh. That's what prophecy is. I've never heard that song before. Um, that's what prophecy is, y'all. It's just him flowing through us. That's all it is. It's nothing spooky or weird. It's just us being a vessel that he can flow through. I love that. So um, since I missed the very beginning of more, I wanted to ask Pastor Daryl to come up and just kind of tell you a quick history. I told him he had three to five minutes. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> I couldn't resist it. He said that to me many times. <laughs> I just, I want y'all, some of you I don't think know exactly how more got started. So I just want to have Pastor Daryl come up. Okay. Um, I was sitting there thinking <clears throat> how far to go back, but I just want to quickly go back pretty far. Um, the church actually started in 1999, but what, what birthed the church <laughs> the um, the acts that began to to happen started actually in 1995, and if you know anything about the Christian world, in 1995, all over the place, it was like an outpouring of God's Spirit everywhere, and uh, you know Toronto was in the heels of Toronto, Pensacola was coming, everything was kind of happening. It was really a big move, just a tidal wave of praise music coming out. And um, we first got interested in things of the Spirit, Wendy and I and some others, 
got interested in things of the Spirit because um, of praise music. We had never praised. We'd always sang hymns in church and traditional. We loved the hymns and everything, but when we first were exposed to praise music, we would drive all the way over to um, Oklahoma, to Edmond, Oklahoma? Yeah, Edmond, Oklahoma, and listen to Dennis Jernigan. We'd go to his concerts, and they were three hours long of nothing but solid praise music, and we would it seemed like they were 20 minutes. And so we were just overwhelmed by that. And so we began to do that every month. And we began to take a bigger group and a bigger group. And during that time, um, Wendy and I and some friends, we decided that we would commit to praying together as couples every single night to see if God would show up. And we prayed. You're going to sound kooky, and it is a little kooky. But sometimes, many times, seven days a week, every night, for almost seven years. So that was the kind of desire we had. Um, we just wanted God to show up. We weren't reading any books. We weren't trying to search anything out. We just thought if God is the God of the Bible, then all this stuff we've studied all our life, it's got to be more to it. Jesus actually said the words, greater works than these you shall do. And so we were like moved. And so we were hungry and we started doing that. And then on Thursday nights, we said, we're going to open up our home, and anybody that wants to come be ministered to, um, we're going to minister. We didn't know, none of us really knew any giftings. We didn't know who was going to minister. We just got together on Thursday nights, and the rule was, don't talk unless God talks to you. We're here to let the Lord minister to us. And we saw, <clears throat> we saw, we'd sit there sometimes for hours, and we saw God just begin to speak. We saw uh people born again. We saw uh, people healed of major illnesses just out of the blue. We saw uh, God move in power. We saw one night, we didn't even know what deliverance was. Um, one young woman had been terribly molested as a child. No one knew it, and it had plagued her all her life, and it just all came unraveled, and we were all just doing the best we could do to try to... It was just beautiful, and God was moving in power. And then we started a Wednesday night class at our church, and uh, we called it more because that was the only name that made sense to us because we were just a bunch of people that just wanted more whatever God had for us. And that's we just wanted more. And so we went in there, and we thought, we're just going to study the Bible. We started in Genesis 1-1. We studied all the way through, and we thought, God's going to intersect us here. And, of course, we were singing praise music, and we were studying God's Word, and God began to show up. And um, people started getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. And we didn't really know anything about that. But um, people were speaking in tongues. And we had a few people from, come visit from Trinity. And, and we had a lady in our church that was really ill. She had a real strange illness. I don't remember the name of it. Wendy would, but I wouldn't, I'm not going to attempt. Um, but it was just horrible. Beautiful, beautiful young woman in our church. And she got this debilitating disease. And she was in a wheelchair. And they didn't know what it was really wrong with her and she was just dying and so man we broke into prayer one night just praying for her and she was wailing and it was powerful and people began to pray in tongues and I mean it was just you know how it is it's just like man it was like a tidal wave and we were just trying to set her free and uh, nobody was doing anything other than that and we got in trouble and uh, <laughs> The next Wednesday night, I didn't get to speak because pastor spoke, and he said, 
I'm not going to do that here. And uh, I knew right then I turned to Wendy and I said, well, we have a decision to make because we're on a quest. And uh, I went and met with some friends at Trinity and uh, Dr. John Curry. And I told him what happened. I said, we don't want to be a problem. We just don't want to stop going after God. Something's happening and we don't want to stop. And he said, okay. And he took me back to the church. We talked to Kit Bushman and he called my pastor. My pastor said, really, they have great hearts. They're not really trying to cause problems. We just can't have it here. And uh, he said, okay. And so he told me, he said, Trinity will help you any way we can. And they uh, actually, <laughs> they did so much for us. I won't bore you with all the details. But we, we started our church. <clears throat> our first meeting, we had about 90 people show up. And, uh, <clears throat> and then it was just onward and upward. And um, we've been on this quest ever since. We have had different people, like Patty said. God just sovereignly sends people to us at just the right time. And we've had um, all kinds of people speak into the life of our church. And we've just been on this quest for a long time. Now, some other things have happened that have helped define our role as an end times church. And I won't go into those things as well. But that's actually how the church was birthed, was out of just some sincere hearts, really wanting more of the Lord. And then Trinity Fellowship coming alongside us and helping us until we could get our own 501c3. And then we were a Trinity church for a while. And then we felt like uh, we were called to a different tributary. So um, that's where we are, and that's who we are, and that takes us up to about 1999. See, I love that because I didn't know all of that. I didn't know about the seven years of praying and all of that. I think that's awesome. It explains a lot, actually. So for the last two weeks, we've been talking about prophecy. And like I said, I'm going to kind of close off that segment. Prophecy is going to run through the whole thing because it's part of everything. But I want to spend some time doing some other things. Um, so tonight I'm going to talk about the prophetic words that have been spoken over the church. And it's by no means a complete list. I worked all the time and I know I missed some. I I thought there was this book being put together <laughs> and that the words were getting put in this book. So I was really excited about that because I thought, well, at least whatever I miss is going to be in that book. So I don't know, a few years ago we were doing something on Wednesday nights and I asked Pastor Darrell if I could have that book. And he said, I don't think there is a book. Well, I got the book and it was real pretty, but it had one thing in it. <laughs> So I was disappointed, but I got a a lot of the like the basic, the beginning. I, I it was just amazing to me. I, I went to Trinity for twenty years, so I was kind of used to that kind of a church. And when I started going to more, it was so amazing to me that all these high level prophetic people were coming in and the words that they were saying, and it made me laugh because these guys were like. They didn't even know. <laughs> so it was awesome. Um, 
after we talk, I'm, we're going to do another activation tonight. So before I even start, y'all, if you don't have paper and pencil, back in the back. There's notebooks and there's pens. And there's their farmer's pens. Carol brought them. So if you pick up a farmer's pen, it's a sign. <laughs> Not really. Oh, okay. Okay. And Pastor Daryl said they're going to put all of these sessions on the website. So they'll be there. They're not there yet, but they will be there. So everybody's going to write tonight. So be sure you have paper and a pencil. And so just to give you an idea of what we're going to do in the future, um, I want to talk about dreams. I want to talk about visions. I want to talk about spiritual encounters. Um, we're going to talk about prophetic evangelism. That used to scare the heck out of me. <laughs> in fact, when we do that, I'll have to tell you a funny story. God just pegged me on it. But I was scared to death to even say that word because I knew that wasn't me. I don't do that sort of thing. Um, but it's so fun and it's so interesting the ways God can use us to minister outside the church. And I've gotten to do some really crazy stuff. I got to go to Burning Man. I've done some stuff in the park, dream interpretation in the park, different things. And it's really cool to watch God move in a group of people like that. It's amazing. And we used to do the Polk Street party when they would have it back in the beginning. And so it's just, it's really fun when you take it outside of the church because so many of the people we want to reach, they're not in here. Like if we're going to bring in that harvest, that billion soul harvest, we got to go outside the church. And so, um, I have some friends and they do stuff like that, but they're kind of, I know some people that kind of had a, have a bad attitude about the church. They've been hurt in the church. And I, I was in a group one time and they were kind of being negative about the church. And I was like, well, if someone's not teaching in the church, how are they going to know about this stuff? So to me, I feel called out there, but I really feel called in here too. Because how are you going to know? I mean, how, how do you even know what's available if nobody tells you? So, so I feel like I kind of do both. So um, there's lots of things that prophetic words do, but two major things I want to talk about tonight. Um, when we get a prophetic word, it's like God gives you a roadmap. It's like you see the big picture. And what's really confusing to people is you see the big picture and you go, oh, wow, that's so great. And you think it's going to happen tomorrow. That's not how it happens. I just, I'll just tell you. Um, I think what God does is he shows us the big picture just so we know. If we don't have a road map, we don't know which way to go. We don't know how to partner with him. So it gives us the big picture. But then I love what Graham Cook says, you know, then he stuffs you in a bag and he beats the living daylights out of you. <laughs> I mean, basically what happens, people say, well, he gave me this big picture and now my life looks totally opposite. Well, the reason is there's things inside of all of us that would keep us from getting to that place. 
So in God's mercy, he shows us the picture to give us hope. I mean, you know, we need hope. We need a picture. But then he goes about helping us get rid of all the things that would keep us from getting there. And so people get really confused and they think, well, God said this and it's not happening. I'm way over here. Well, it's while you're way over here that he's helping you get rid of stuff that would keep you from getting over there. So it's a process, and sometimes it's a hard process, but it's so worth it. I look back over my life, and it's just amazing to me what God can do if you just say yes to him. That's really all you have to do is just say yes. Um, also, when a prophetic word is spoken, we're created in God's image and his voice created. And when a prophetic word is spoken, it releases something into the supernatural and it starts an action. So it's not just that you have a roadmap. Something has been released into the atmosphere and there's power associated with that that you can partner with and it gives you what you need to reach that destination. So it's really important. So I think it's funny, in a way, thinking about how more started. Um, I was raised Church of Christ, and so the Baptists were like our arch rivals. <laughs> you know, they weren't going to heaven, we were, but you know. But it's so funny to me how God works. He took this group of people that didn't know anything about the supernatural. They didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit. Nobody had taught them. In fact, they shied away from it rather violently, probably, but they had a heart for God. And so it doesn't really matter where you start from. If you're just seeking him, the Bible says if you seek him, you'll find him if you search for him with all your heart. And that's what they were doing. And so it just it's kind of funny to me, and it's amazing to me that y'all had the nerve to do that. Um, <laughs> well, we, were, we were told by uh, Jack Peters uh, in 20 years ago, and he told us, he said, you need to, you need to research now before you start this way. And we thought, no, everybody wants to. Yeah, yeah. 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 What's like in my family, and I'll give that testimony sometime. My mom was bedridden for two years with a debilitating illness they couldn't figure out. And God healed her. We were church of Christ. We didn't believe in that. And my parents found out about the Holy Spirit. And so, you know, there's six little kids at home, mom that's can't do anything. And instead of the church being excited, they kicked us out. <laughs> It's, you know, it's just hard. It was, it was past their theology. But my dad, he, he said that it's probably the best thing that ever happened to us because they, his dad was a Church Cross missionary. They both went to Abilene Christian College, so I'm way off on the bunny trail here. But um, he said, I don't know if I would have had the courage to step away because when that happened, they lost every friend, they lost, he lost his job. They said, all you have to do to keep your job is say that the Holy Spirit isn't active in the world today. That's all you have to do. 
Well, we were in a desperate financial situation already from my mom's illness and everything. And I, it amazes me they had the courage to do that. But they wouldn't do it. They said, no, we know he's real. We speak in tongues. <laughs> so anyway, I understand this quest because I kind of went through that too. So you have this church, these people that are hungry for God, don't really know what to do with it, and enter Kevin Prosh, and then a not too long later, Joanne McFadder. So it's so interesting to me that God used worship. And then you were talking about worship. I didn't know the part about Dennis Jernigan. You know, we have these barriers and these walls just because of our life, our life experience. And what does God do to help break those down? He says worship. So here comes Kevin Prosh, here comes Joanne McFadder, and there's just this prophetic worship going on. And in the midst of that, God starts to change people. When I showed up on the scene, I was in a terrible place, um, just a broken. I was really broken at that time, really, really sick. I'd been sick for years. And so I know there were times I would just sit in the back on Wednesday nights, and I would just sit in the back and cry. And I don't, I don't even know if any of the people back then even knew who I was or if they remember that. But it, it was like I'd built these walls up in my life to protect myself from pain because I had so much of it. And it was like that worship just started breaking down those walls. And I think that's what God does. I was telling Alyssa, I was so excited to see her singing tonight. Um, she used to sing this song, and they're going to sing it next week, I think. She used to sing this song, and it would just, I would just sob through the whole thing. But while that was happening, God was just healing my heart. So it's important. Um, so that's all I'm going to say about worship right now. But I just want you to understand that worship helps you get past your mind. Because we're taught to think with our mind. We're not, you know... We're taught from a pretty young age not to follow anything else but reasoning. And worship just kind of helps you get past your mind. And Holy Spirit can start to work in your heart. And God can start to speak to you. And he can start to speak truth to you. And that's why it's so important, y'all. That's why we put so much emphasis on worship in this place. I know we have some people and they're like, oh, I hate that y'all sing for 45 minutes. <laughs> We do it because it changes us. I mean, it does. It changes us. If you want to come to this church and you don't sing for 40, want to sing for 45 minutes, you can come late. <laughs> That's okay. We have a lot of people that used to do that. Um, still do. That's right. I agree. Okay, so, so now you have a small group of people, 70 people. I don't know. We're in a small building asking for more of God, and things are starting to happen. So now enter the prophets. Um, I, I just couldn't get over it watching because, you know, I had been around prophetic things for a long, th long time. And in walk just over and over, all these high-level prophetic people speaking over this church. And the first one was Jill Austin. Now, we had stuff before that. 
But this is like the first thing I wrote down that was like specifically for more. Um, man, that conference changed my life. God had been showing me that he had plans for me, like this kind of stuff. I couldn't imagine it. Like I couldn't imagine. I'm very quiet. I'm a gentle soul. <laughs> and the only people I knew that spoke and did stuff, they were loud and boisterous. I'd kind of been hanging out with Keith Miller and Janet, and he's so loud and so intense. And I just thought, well, I'm not like that. You know, God couldn't use me. Well, in walks Jill Austin. I've never seen it, y'all. She carried, I don't know if you remember, she carried this authority in this gentleness I've never seen before. And she would almost whisper, and people were just like, straining to hear every word that she said and God used that so much for me because I suddenly realized wow you don't have to be loud and boisterous for him to use you and it just confirmed to me that he could use me just like I was because I couldn't pretend to be the other way because I'm just I'm not that way I don't think I've ever yelled at anybody in my life <laughs> okay Thank you. Um, she also, she's the first person I ever heard talk about Holy Spirit like a person. She wouldn't say the Holy Spirit. She would say, Holy Spirit. And like, like it was her best friend. And that just impacted me so much because, you know, I, we came up in the charismatic movement back in the, I don't know what, 70s. And, um, you know, Holy Spirit was the dove and Holy Spirit was the power. I never really realized he was a person. And that really changed the way I looked at everything. And I loved that about her. And you could tell she loved Holy Spirit. And so I encourage you guys, if you've never thought about it that way, Start thinking of him as a person. In fact, when I sent my book in, they sent it back for me to look over. And every place I said, Holy Spirit, they put a thee in front of it. So I went back through and took them all out. They didn't get it. I'm like, no, that's his name. You know, that's his name. He's not a thee. That, that's his name. So I just thought that was funny. They're probably a bunch of Baptists. <laughs> So, let's see. So here's what Jill Austin had to say. And, and I remember thinking, I bet this scares them a little bit. She said, more as a church made up of radical lovers of God who have willingly endured God's refining fire, holding on with great tenacity and stubbornness to God's plans and purposes for our lives. More is becoming a house of prophets. Wow. We're this tiny little group of people, house of prophets, called to prophetic evangelism, another big one, to reach the lost and broken ones. We will bring in the radical ones. And I'm just thinking, this is probably making the leadership nervous. <laughs> um, the musicians, artists, inventors, trendsetters, it's crazy, y'all, how many musicians and artists we have in this place. I mean, he, this, 
that has happened and is happening. Um, more is the house called to prophetic evangelism. God will establish a house of healing, a radical house to bring healing to the lost and broken ones. More will be a house known for guerrilla warfare. And then she, she explained that. Guerrilla warfare is when a small defensive force of soldiers who are not part of the regular forces carry out surprise attacks often behind enemy lines. Now we're talking about attacks against the enemy, not people. Okay, just so we're clear. And that's what prophetic evangelism does. When I went to Burning Man, I'm right there in the middle of enemy territory. And it was amazing what God did. I never thought that would apply to me, by the way. <laughs> Ever. She said, we will move forward with tenacity, holding firmly, holding together, a tough, clinging, stubborn group of outlaws who have endured the fire. It's pretty powerful. And that's pretty descriptive of a bunch of people I know in this place. Okay, so Bobby Connor came uh, with Paul Keith Davis in Shambles in December of 2003. That's still really early on. Bobby Connor said, the Amarillo region will become a place of intercession, a place where people can go higher in the spirit. Moore has an opportunity to become a house of intercession that will impact the world. The world, that's what he said. We are like the hub of a wagon wheel. I remember this so clearly. Going out connected to other places, People will be able to come here and be trained in the prophetic. There we go again, prophetic. Then Paul Keith Davis and Sean Bowles. Um, I don't know if you guys know who these people are. Bobby Connor and Paul Keith Davis, I, would, I think of them as like the fathers. Under Bob Jones, I would, to me, they're like, they're right up there. Sean Bowles at that time was brand new. Uh, Carol and I and Debbie went to a conference of his not long ago, and God has given him this amazing gift of word of knowledge. It's just crazy to watch. Names, addresses, I mean, it's amazing. But anyway, so they were there, and they said, God is establishing a well of overcomers in the Amarillo area. Strategic prayer and intercessions will come forth. Creative miracles will be released. There are certain people with spiritual keys around their necks who will unlock wells. Love that. Then Mark DuPont, he actually came twice in the same year. The first time was in June of 2004. And he said, there are open heavens. We've heard that before over Amarillo. And God is establishing his resting place here. Man, I love that. God will restore the tabernacle of David and is releasing an angel of power in several churches in this city. God is releasing his favor. The plowman will overtake the reaper. That's in Amos 9. I don't really have time to go into that. Y'all read Amos 9. That means the seasons are going to overlap. They're going to get fast. Or you plant and you harvest quickly. More will receive a great release in the areas of evangelism, healing, miracles, and finances. So then he came back in November of 2004 
we did a 50-day fast, and we were just ending that 50-day fast. And here's another one. I thought, I bet this is scaring Pastor Daryl. <laughs> he said, God is releasing a wild ox anointing over more. Do you remember that? Not wildness as in rebellion or disorderliness, but strength and freedom to be who we were created to be. Anybody who comes to this church knows we're quite an eclectic group. I mean, there's kind of some of everything here. God is releasing the Joseph anointing, wisdom and authority and freedom of sons, wild ox freedom. He just kept saying wild ox over and over again. Freedom with maturity. That was my favorite part. Freedom with maturity that requires outrageous obedience even when we don't understand. And then he said, the death of many revivals is freedom with immaturity. And we've all seen that. God has the best, the choice for more, but we must contend for it. And that's true. There been, there's been a lot of things we've had to go through. And then he kept, and I love that you said this about Toronto and Pensacola. He kept making reference to things like Toronto and Pensacola, he said when he was at Moore the first time, he felt a move and stirring of the Holy Spirit that he hadn't felt in 20 years. And y'all, I can't help it. I'm a copious writer and note taker. So I wrote all this down. He said, God is anointing us with wildness. Again, he said it. Not rebellion, not disorder, but wildness like a wild ox to be who God called us to be. A wild ox doesn't have to learn to run and play and act like an ox. He doesn't have to learn that. He doesn't try to act like a bird or a cat or anything else. He's wild and he's free to be an ox, what he was created to be. That's what we're supposed to be, y'all. We don't have to pretend to be anything we're not. He said, this is a picture of more. We are to become who God has created us to be. Don't try to be something you're not. Okay. There's a lot of pressure to conform, right? A lot of pressure. But we fight that really hard here. <laughs> because God didn't call us to be like everybody else. And this isn't a place for everybody. Everybody isn't necessarily comfortable here. But what God is doing in this place, we're just supposed to be free to be that and not worry about what other people think. He also said, God has called more to be a place where the lonely, the dysfunctional, the outcast can come and meet with God and be healed. Man, we're seeing that more and more all the time. We have so many things, y'all. Prep program. I love the prep program. I just think it's so amazing. Um, There's so many life group, life recovery groups for people who have just been through so many things. And so it's like these things got planted into us and we see them happening, you know? He said there will be warfare from local leaders, but don't be governed by fear of man. Well, I remember you getting up a couple of times. We had things written about us in the paper. <laughs> One of them was kind of silly. We had smoking rooms, <laughs> which wasn't even true. But 
it's just funny. But it's like, basically, it doesn't really matter what other people say. We're not trying to be weird just to be weird, but we're going to be who we are. Then in February of 2007, we had a negativity fast, and that was really interesting. How long did that last? I don't remember. 30 days? And the whole point of that was no negativity. Every time you started to say or do something negative, you had to change it. And it was crazy what that did to the way we thought. And then Steve and Wendy Backlund came at the end of that. And here's what they said. There's going to be increased creativity in the church. We will have eyes to see what God is doing in its infancy so we can move with him. I love that. Because, you know, some people, it takes a long time. You have to be way far down the road. And it's like, oh, look what God's doing. But he's helping us to learn to see it early so that we can partner with him. And that's really good. I, I didn't, the two of them, I just put it down together. Um, and then they said, we're going to be a regional revival center. It's another time. Um, they said, worry is submitting our imagination to the enemy. What we imagine is what we have faith in. That's really a good lesson. Yes. Worry is submitting our imagination to the enemy. What we imagine is what we have faith in. So what you put your mind on, that's what you're giving power to. And that's basically what you're going to reap in your life. And they said, let God have our memory, not the enemy. So then here comes John Paul Jackson in 2009. Crazy that John Paul would come here. Um, I loved, I remember when he said this, it made me really excited. He said, more is coming to a spiritual sound barrier. Do you remember that? He said, things are shaking. And at the time, there really were some things shaking in the church. <laughs> but what happens when you reach the sound barrier? Things get really vibrate and everything. And he said, some people feel like we can't go farther. But if we press through, we're going to accelerate even more. And I feel like we've been in that process. I mean, we have gone through some shaking. But, man, I love what God's brought out of it. So then I, I went to some conferences, and um, I was in Austin. And I think it was a Keith Miller conference. And Dr. Sharon Stone was there. I'd never heard her before. And I don't even know what brought this up. But she made the comment, Amarillo will represent God's heart. I took that to heart. I mean, that's fan I, I love that. Then in May of 2009, Jen Johnson, who is Bill Johnson's daughter-in-law, she said, I see a rainbow over more. I see the property turning green, a place for family. Come all who are thirsty. And she really stressed the all. Come all who are thirsty. And then in August of 2009, I believe this was a ladies' conference when Erica came from Bethel. I didn't get to go to the conference. But then she came and spoke that Sunday after. And she said, God is releasing breakthrough to stop poverty. Yes, Lord. <laughs> he wants to establish us as his favored ones. 
we will be like the North Compass Point. That seems real important to me. In process to be raised up in the city as an apostolic center, a place of training. There we go again, a place of training. Fathers are coming to help prepare others for the next move of God. There is a father's anointing to rescue the lots, like Lot that was in Sodom and Gomorrah. Those who are disillusioned, God will even trust us with great leaders who have become disillusioned. God will release great joy and hope on more and on those who come here. And then I really love this too. God is sending pioneers and forerunners. He's increasing artistic and creative gifting. So I thought that was really powerful. So then Lance Wallnow was here, and he was in a conference here in town, not here at the church, in August of 2012. And he just said, revival is coming to Amarillo. And I like those words for the city, too, because we're part of the city. Um, if any of y'all were around back at those early conferences and have things that I missed, I would love to hear them. Or if you have CDs, I didn't have any money back in those days, so I never could buy the CDs. So um, I, I want to share a vision I had just because it was like the very first thing I ever shared and only with great coaxing from my mother-in-law. But we were in the middle of worship and I started to see a natural pool and a river. And there were rocks and small cliffs in different places and people from the church were jumping into the pool all over the place. Some, it was so funny, some were diving in so gracefully. Some were doing these big old cannonballs. I thought, yeah, it's probably Lindell. <laughs> and then some were just doing belly flops. But everybody, the whole point was everybody was getting in. And they were having so much fun doing it. Everyone was laughing and playing like children. Some people were even on rope swings and tire swings, and they'd swing out over the water and drop in. And I kept seeing these little, and I heard somebody recently, I gotta figure it out. Um, it sounds like exactly what I saw, and they said they were angels. They looked like little, it reminded me of like a combination of a dragonfly and a hummingbird. And it's like all the people that were getting in the water, they were all around them. And, um, there was a waterfall above the pool, and suddenly living water that was sparkling like diamonds started coming over the falls and covering all the people. And that was the thing that was so important. It was everybody. Nobody was left out. And it became a mighty river. No one in the pool was left out. All were being swept along in the mighty current of the river. No one was afraid. Everyone was filled with joy and anticipation for what was coming. And that felt like such a prophetic picture to me of what God was going to do in the church. That was way back in 2002. Um, I shared it with Muriel, and she said, you got to share that with Pastor Daryl. And I was like, I don't want to share it. <laughs> so I did. I typed it up and gave it to you. But that was like eons ago, it seems like. Um, there's a scripture I love, and it's Habakkuk 2, 1 through 3. And this is Habakkuk talking, and he says, 
I will stand on my guard post and station myself on the rampart, and I will keep watch to see what he will speak to me. And he's talking about God. And then verse 2 says, Then the Lord answered and said, Record the vision, inscribe it on tablets, that the one who reads it may run. That's kind of like a life scripture for me. That's why I write everything down. It's like he won't let me not write stuff down. But when we see things and we write it down, it gives us the ability to run because we can see and we know what God's doing. Um, for the vision is yet for the appointed time. It hastens towards the goal and it will not fail. Though it tarries, wait for it, for it will surely come. So those of you that have unfulfilled prophetic words in your life, it doesn't mean it's not going to happen. It really doesn't. There's all kinds of reasons why things take time. A lot of it is stuff going on inside of us, situations that need to be changed. But, you know, it says don't give up. Even though it tarries, even though it feels like it's never going to happen, when God speaks a word to you, it's going to happen. Okay? So um, I always want to do an activation or a demonstration. And so tonight I was just asking the Lord what he would like to do. And I really feel like it's so important that we see ourselves the way God sees us. Because most of us don't. I didn't for the longest time. Like, I, I really didn't. And, you know, we pick up these labels through life, and we label ourselves, and people label us, and we think that's who we are and that we can't change from that. But I really believe God wants to show you how he sees you. He really wants to show you. Um, this is going to be a personal exercise. That's why you need paper and pencil. I'm not going to ask you to share these things. These are private. If you want to share them with someone, that's fine. But I'm not going to be asking anyone to share this. It's just personal. Um, but before we start, I want to play a song. And it's um, Mended by Matthew West. And the reason I want to play this song is because some of us have a really hard time thinking opposite of what we feel about ourselves. And this song is such a picture of everything we think negative, how Jesus really sees it. So I just want to wait, and I want you to listen to that. And then when it's over, I'll just go ahead and pray real quick, and then we'll play that. And as soon as it's over, what I want you all to do is just ask the Lord how he sees you, what he thinks about you. And whatever comes to your mind, I want you to write it down. It doesn't matter if you believe it. It doesn't matter if it makes sense. Just write it down. Um, I think what you'll notice is as you start to write, more will come. And sometimes, this has happened to me before, you'll start writing, and when you go back and read it, you'll be surprised at what you wrote. It's like it's amazing. It's prophetic. So, um, so after the song, I'm going to pray, and then after the song, I want you guys just to... Just spend however much time you need and write down what the Lord says to you. And then if you're finished and you want to visit, if y'all could go outside to do that. Because some people, I think, are going to want to stay in here a little longer. So if y'all would just, you know, think about them. And if you want to visit, go outside and visit. And I want everyone just to take as much time as you feel like you need. 
so that the Lord can do that. So, Father, I'm so, so grateful just to, just to be up here, to be able just to speak your words and um, hopefully help people to see how much you love them, what you think about them, how you speak to us, the plans you have for us. And I just pray over this group of people. Holy Spirit, we just invite you to come right now. And I just pray you would settle over the sanctuary. Just pray you would settle over us and that you would speak to people's hearts. And no matter what they've thought of themselves, no matter what people have told them, I pray that tonight they would be able to hear your voice. I'm so thankful for that, Lord. I bless these people in Jesus' name just to hear you. And I want to say one more thing. If you don't feel like you hear something tonight, it's not because he's not speaking, okay? Sometimes you just need to get alone. I was like that. I'm a very private person, and so a lot of times I needed to get alone. So if you don't hear something, please don't think God didn't speak to you. You may just need to go home and be still with him, okay? So, Lord, just bless this group of people and speak to them in Jesus' name.